we started a, uh, it's not new anymore, but we started on a series. And uh, the series, okay, so we, I, I forgot to tell you, Liz, um, we renamed, Betsy renamed the series. It was a, such a brilliant name, okay? But you have to hear me out because it's a little bit of a shocking name. And, um, all right, don't, don't throw Bibles at me. Okay, but we're, what we're, we're, the name of the series now is called No More BS. No more, no more besetting sins. No more. We're going to say no more besetting sins. We're going to say no to the... Now, what's a besetting sin? You go, a besetting sin is a sin that you go back to over and over again. The besetting sin is the sin that you and I continue to pursue even though we know that this thing is going to harm us. We know that every time we go to that well, the water is poisoned. We know that every time we do this thing, it harms us. It wounds us. We know this. But we keep on going back to it. And what we're saying in our church is no more of that. No more going back to. We're going to say no to BS. No more BS in our lives. No more lying to ourselves. No more uh, thinking that we can tell ourselves that it's okay to act out in ways that will harm our soul, we're saying no more to that. And so we've started a series. And if you're, listen, 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 look at me. If you're offended by the title, how offended are you about your sin? Are you more offended by our title than your sin? Good night. Heaven help us. We're talking about a serious matter that destroys our happiness, ruins our relationships, crushes our intimacy with Christ. We're talking about a very big deal. So don't be, don't be immature about it. Run to Jesus. Tell him that you want no more of your BS. No more of your running to things that harm your soul. And kill your joy. So in the first week, we tried to um, uh, give a, an overarching, a set of overarching principles that we're going to be running back to over and over again. And then the rest of the series will be fleshing out what these, um, what these uh, principles uh, say. And so we even used hand motions because I wanted you to remember it. And so we were going to, remember what we said? We were going to think out. We were going to think out the implications of our sin. We were going to think out. We were going to play the whole tape. We were going to think out how this is going to end and what it's done in the past and how it's going to ruin our present and how it's going to mess up our future. We were going to think it out when it comes to our sin. Play the whole tape. Secondly, we said we were not only going to think out, but we were going to dig down. We are going to dig down and not be satisfied with just hitting at the fruit of our sin. Most of our lives, when we come, we're just like, oh my gosh, bad Edwin, you broke the drink, the drink too much rule. Or bad Edwin, you broke the dirty rule. Or bad Edwin, you broke the, the, the nasty picture rule. And, and it's like, and we think 
that our problem is this issue that we keep on going back to, but it's not the issue. It's the sin under the sin. It's the thing that motivates us, and we call those idols. In other words, they're little saviors, gods that we run to. And so an example of an idol would be, uh, let's say, uh, saying a lie. Right? So now that's not an idol, that's the act, that's the fruit of the sin. We're talking about going to the root of sin. So, okay, so here's this half of the congregation, and you lie. So someone goes, hey, did you finish that thing that I asked you to do? And you say, yes, I did, and you did not. You know you did not. You're nowhere near. You didn't even start. But the reason that you say that, you say that is because you want the approval of others. You just don't want them to think badly of you. But this room, this side of the room, the reason that you lie, hey, did you finish what we asked? The reason that you lie is because you want um, to avoid confrontation. You want to not have to endure the pain of the argument that comes after that answer. And so you lie for a totally different reason. So to treat you or to give you the verses that we would give you would be unhelpful because you're not the same. It works for other, right? So in other words, you lie for the sake of the idol of approval. You lie for the sake of the idol of control or, or actually more like comfort, right? You don't want to uh, deal with all the tensions. Do you see? Does this make sense? And so we're not interested in just the sin. We're interested in the sin under the sin. That's why we said we need to dig deep. We needed to find out what is the idol that leads us in our sin. Thirdly, we said that we were not only going to think out We were going to dig down, but we were also going to look up. That it's in Jesus that we find our joy. That in the end, all of our sin is just an effort to find a savior for the pain that we feel in the present moment. All of our sin is our search for a savior to deliver us from the uncomfortability of what we're experiencing in the moment. That's the, that was the thing. Now, if you want to hear more about that, you, you have it on podcast and it's on the website and all that other stuff. Now, let me just quickly go over um, what we were um, talking about. So after that, we said we needed a strategy. And the first step to our strategy was we were going to avoid. Can we avoid? Avoid the sin. That we needed to just listen. Best way to avoid your sin is not to be anywhere near it. Does that make sense? But sometimes there's no way to avoid the sin. And in that case, right, especially if you're like me, your sin is between your ears, man. Like the, the temptations that come my way. And so I just got to learn how to say no. Let's say, matter of fact, week one was avoid. Can you say avoid with me? One, two, three. Avoid. Week two was to say no. Say no with me. One, two, three. No. no. Right. And that no was in the first, three sec- uh, first five seconds of your temptation. It's in the first five seconds of your temptation. It's an immediate and ur- uh, urgent and strong no. Third week, we talked, third, it's actually the fourth week, but the third step in our strategy was, anybody know what it was? Turn, Yes. It was to turn, that you only have 
so much you can avoid, and you only have so many no's in your, in your toolkit. Isn't that true? I told you that I was good for 999 no's on any given subject, but when I get to number 1,000, oh boy. And so, I, so do you, right? You have a bunch of no's. But no, 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 no. We need to turn. That We need to go, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to find in Jesus what I'm looking for in this. And this is why it was so important that we dug deep, that we look towards the idol. Because the reality is, is that I'm not looking for, uh, I'm not looking for a dirty picture on a screen. I'm looking for control because my whole life is out of control. The boss, the wife, the thing. And so I want some place where I can control, even if it's a fantasy. Do you see what I'm saying? And so what I need to do in that moment is turn to Jesus and go, oh, no, Jesus, I can trust you to control, have control in my life. And I can trust you are trustworthy in the issues of my life that are seem out of control for me. So these are the first three steps in our strategy. And today, we go to our fourth step in our strategy. Our fourth step in our strategy. So I have five kids. I'll tell you what the fourth step in our strategy is in a second. I have five kids. Every one of my kids are super precious to me. All of them I love with all my heart. When they were young, we would walk them across the street, as you can imagine, every parent does. And as I walked with them, I'm, I never liked the whole idea of just like that hold on to me thing, like, you know, grab my uh, thing. Although sometimes, you know, moms, you've had to do that, right? You have 15 bags and you're just walking and just like grab my hand, right? You tell the kids to grab your hand. But they've never been safe by them grabbing my hand. They've only been safe when I've grabbed onto their hand. Does this make sense? Like, in other words, if, if, any, if, if they trip and fall, have you, right? So I have that thing that moms have, that, that knee-jerk reaction that you can feel your kid falling. And they, they never touch the floor. Your hand just jerks up, right? You, a lot of moms have that. I have that same thing, right? And so, so you, right, so it's, it's to prevent the fall. It's also dangerous coming. Right? And so you could literally just pull the child out of danger, right? But the, 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 the security has never been in them holding on to me. The security has always been in I holding on to them, but I always tell them, hold on to my hand. Even though I know that the security is with me holding on to them, I always say, hold on to my hand, hold on to my hand. Um, don't let go of my hand. Don't let go of my hand. Uh, we'll be walking across the street, and we'll be like, I don't know, four feet away from the, from the sidewalk. And my youngest son will start letting go of my hand because he's anticipating just running up on the sidewalk. I go, don't let go of my hand. Don't let go of my hand. See, now, again, it's all on the basis of me holding on to them, but I make sure that I tell them, hold on to me. You know, do you think that I'm the only father that thinks like this with his children? Did you know that our heavenly father thinks that way with you? He goes, hold on to my hand. Don't let go. Hold on to me. 
Our Heavenly Father says, hold on to me, not because of the strength that you have to be able to hold on to him, but because he knows that it's in him holding on to you. And that we don't want to run away from him. Our fourth, um, our fourth uh, step in our, um, in our strategy for fighting sin is to hold on. And to hold on when the temptations of our lives are pecking at our fingers. Right? To hold on when the temptations of our lives are making it very difficult to hold on. Now, this is where so many of us fall. We're good for the avoid insofar as we're able. We've avoided. We haven't gone to the cop spot. We don't go to the part of the bodega where they have the alcohol, which is generally the front and to the left, right? We've, um, we're, we, we've decided to take down the, uh, um, the, the social media and stuff like that because it leads us to, you know, whatever. We've avoided it as much as we can. And, oh, man, we're saying no like champions. Like, whoo, we're just saying no 50 times a day, 5,000 times a day. And, boy, are, not, are we turning with Jesus But now, the hold, and here's what happens. Here's what happens in my office. It's like this. Um, Someone will come up to me, and they'll say, Pastor, it didn't work. What didn't work? I I did what you said. It didn't work. I I, I try to say no to him. I try to avoid her. I try not to go back to that. I try to uh, not do it. It didn't work. I said, "Well, well, did you avoid? Boy, did I avoid. Did you say no? Oh my goodness, I was saying all over the place. Did you turn? I was turning like a top. And then, and then, then here's the question. For how long? For how long? For how long? Well, I, I don't know. Let's think about it. How long? Was it a minute? Was it for five minutes? Was it a day? How long did you hold on? Well, I guess, you know, I don't know. See, when you and I are tempted, how many people know that when you and I are tempted and we work on this, we think a gospel-centered strategy to say no to our temptations, how many know that, uh, that Satan is patient? He's patient. You think that that's the only time he's going to put on that guy's heart who's ruined your life over and over again? You think that's the only time he's going to put on that guy's heart to call you? You think, you think that desire to drink, you think that's the only time that's going to come? Do, do, do you think that compromising your morals just for one night of pleasure, do you think that that's only going to come one time and then just leave? Oh, look, Satan's gone. No. Our problem, our problem is that we don't know that we're in a war. We don't know that we're in a war. And we act like sissies and punks. Like, think about it. If, you know, like, imagine like an Indiana Jones type of 
uh, uh, situation, right? Where the walls are closing in on you, right? And if you can imagine your baby brother or your or, or, or a, uh, you know, a, 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 a small child, like a two or three-year-old child that you love with all your heart, either your child or your younger brother or something like that, right? Nephew or something like that. And the walls are closing in, and you put both legs up to just stop the wall from closing in. And you go, okay, baby, get to the other side, get to the other side. And the baby is falling and stumbling. Could you ever imagine yourself going, well, you ain't moving fast enough. And so you're just going to let it go, and then you're going to run to the other side. And you're going to let that baby be crushed. You wouldn't. You know how long you would hold on to the wall? For as long as it takes. Because you have something precious that you want to protect. Beloved, we have this intimacy that Christ invites us to. That sin loves to destroy. This intimacy that Christ says, I want to be huggy, kissy, close to you. And, and we go, no, 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 I'd rather hug and kiss something else. Listen, beloved. Jesus goes, no. No, you've got to, listen, persevere. It's a fancy word for just listen. On. Hold on. Why do I keep on relapsing? Because you don't hold on. Why do I keep on going back to the relationship? I've done everything. I've called the pastor. I've done everything. Because you don't hold on. Why do I keep, why does my weight keep on fluctuating like it does? Lose 20 pounds, gain 30 pounds? Well, because you don't hold on. You got to hold on. The temptations are going to come and they're going to come for a while. You got to hold on. So, we're going to see how, uh, now there are so many passages I could have chosen from to to go into this. Today, we're going to look at a special delivery letter that Jesus gave to a church. And he's speaking to these people. It's in the book of Revelation. So Jesus writes a series of letters to a series of churches. And he does it through uh, uh, the Apostle John. And so he has these letters, and each one of them are specific to that church, that congregation, that group of people. We're going to be looking maybe at three verses um, at this, but I'm going to read you the entire text. Now, one of the things that we do um, as a tradition in our church when we read the Bible is that we stand. Now, the reason that we stand is because we want to remind our, and this also tells us who's been asleep. I love that. Um, So, yes, we stand. Look around to those people who are sleeping. Just pray for them. It's great. Uh, All right. So, we stand. The reason that we stand, beloved, It's because we want to remind our bodies that God's word has authority in our life. So we stand at attention going, what God's word is going to say to us is more important. It's more important than what I'm going to say to me. Does this make sense? Okay, so we're going to read Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. I want you all to read uh, read it with me in a nice, loud voice. On the count of three. One, two. Two, three. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your...
Nevertheless, okay, let's try this. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. All right, this is God's word. Have a seat. Okay. Some people, I guess, didn't like standing up too long and wanted to race through the reading. Okay. All right. So we have, we have Jesus speaking to a church, a church that's struggling, a church that's been warring for the name of Christ, but are, are feeling like they're wearing out. Here's what he says. These are the words, these are the, John says this. He says, these are the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword. It's Jesus. I know where you live. Let's just pause there. I might not know what you're going through. I might not know the pressure that you're under. I might not understand the temptation that's coming your way. Jesus says, I know where you live. I know the pressures that you're under. I know the temptations that you struggle with. I know that the sexual abuse that you received at the hands of the person who was supposed to care for you when you were six years old, I know that that has dictated all of the sexual encounters that you've had since then. I know where you live. I know the family you grew up in. I know the circumstances that were all stacked against you. I know where you live, Jesus says. He's not oblivious to the pain that you're going through, to the temptations that would come your way. I know where you live. Can we just put it to the level it was before? Thanks. I know where you live. Beloved, do you think you're all alone? Do you think that no one understands what you're going through? Do you think that you're the only one who's ever... No, beloved, he knows where you live. He understands. Take comfort in that. No one else might understand. He understands. I know where you live. Where Satan has its his throne. We could talk so much about this. We're just going to race through this. Yet you remain true to my name, even though 
they were experiencing the kind of persecution. Now, they weren't experiencing the persecution that other churches were experiencing. They were experiencing the kind of persecution. So there was uh, the church in Jerusalem. They were experiencing persecution from the religious people in Jerusalem. But the Romans had their own type of religion, totally different, right? So it's like a pantheon of gods, Zeus and all this other stuff. And so they, they were experiencing a different type of persecution, And they remained true to his name. What's his name? His name is Savior. He's the Christ. That means they received the kind of pressure, the kind of tension, and they ran to the Savior. They didn't run. Listen to me. You, they didn't run to anything else, although we'll see how they were slipping up in other places. They were running to Jesus. They held on to his name. They were true to his name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. So the kind of pressure that they were going, that they were under, was to the degree where one of their own lost their lives, where one of their own was killed. For the sake of Christ. And all they would have to do is just go, yeah, nah, Jesus is not Lord. That's, and by the way, by the way, that's exactly what we do when we fall into our temptation. We go, Jesus is not Savior. This is my Savior. Jesus is not Savior. That is what will really. It's like, you know, have you ever, have you ever come home at night and just go, you know what, it's been a very, te- have you ever said something like this? Gosh, the days, it's been so, so tense. I deserve this. And the this that you're talking about is something that you really know is going to harm you. It could be a beer. It could, honestly, it could be haagen Right? Not that haagen in itself is sinful, but that the reason that you're going to it is because you need a Savior. And rather than running to the Savior, Jesus, and delighting in the haagen you run to your Savior, haagen and hope to delight in Jesus later. Beloved. Beloved. Tensions, stresses. We are called to hold on. Hold on. Now, they weren't perfect. You could see this. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, committed to sexual immorality. Jesus is going back into their history. And there was this guy, Balak, who um, uh, was hired by someone to curse the Israelites. He winds up um, blessing the Israelites. He can't curse them. But he, it seems like he taught them. It seems like he undermined them. Because later on in the text, in the past, um, it talks about how uh, the Israelites had started to uh, eat some of the food that was sacrificed to idols and be with the women. And so, doesn't want you, no, 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 don't do that. So that they ate food sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the uh, Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. There are, there are places where they're compromising. 
And those compromises are going to lead to huge failures. And Jesus is going, listen to me, this is going to end badly for you. To the degree that Jesus goes, there's a consequence to this. This is going to end badly. You don't want to give yourself up to this. And then he says, and I love this, in verse 17, whoever has ears, in other words, if you're not closed-minded, if you're not, if you're not fixed on an idea, if you're not just like, you know what, I'm going to do me, and I don't care what Jesus says. I know there's a bunch of you here who are like that. And to you, I would just plead with you. Why? Why continue going back to the poison well that has only harmed you rather than drinking from the new living water that Christ offers? You go, I've never known anything else. I know. Duh. That's why we're here. We're learning a new way. We're finding a new Savior. We're enjoying a new Christ. Not our old Christ and Savior that has only harmed us. Christ means Messiah or Savior. No, but running to Jesus and finding in Jesus the delight that our heart so desperately needs. He goes, he who has ears, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then he says this, to the one who's victorious, and then he goes, listen to me. If you hold on to the one who's holding you, if you hold on To the one who's holding you, Jesus says, I got three promises for you. I got three promises for you if you hold on to the one who's holding to you. And here they are. One, and you can see it here. It's actually right in the text. He goes, to the one who is victorious, to the one who holds on, I will give some of the hidden manna. Pause. So Jesus will give to those who hold hidden manna. What's hidden manna? Well, do you remember um, the Israelites were traveling in the wilderness in the desert? And then God, and, and like the Egyptians and everybody else is like, how are these guys remaining alive out there? They don't have any sustenance. And God, every morning, every, six days out of the week, and on the sixth day, God said, collect enough for two days. He would give them this manna. They, actually, the word manna means like whatchamacallit. And they didn't even know what it was. If you think of uh, like cornflakes without the sugar, like frosted flakes without the sugar, you have an idea. If it was like this, this something that God provided for them. And he did it every day to remind them every day, God will provide. God will sustain. God, Jesus will give you the hidden manna, the manna that you don't know to sustain you during your temptation. Jesus will strengthen you and encourage you. Jesus will sustain you. That's what hidden manna is. It's sustenance. He will strengthen you. In the midst of the darkest hour in your temptation, he'll give you the hidden manna. Don't run from that. He gives it to all those who persevere. Not only does he give the hidden manna. Well, let me just read all the three things he says. He says, I will give you the hidden manna. That's one. I will also give That person, the white stone, that's two. And then with a new name, that's three, written on it, um, known only to the one who receives it. So hidden manna, that's the sustenance that God gives. And then he also gives a white stone. And it, it, it stands for the holiness 
right? It's, 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 it's holiness that God will give you. A desire for different things. I, I, I've often prayed to God. I go, God, I think I want that more than I want you. That's the truth about me. I would like that pleasure more than I want you. And so would you put in my heart a desire to want you more? And I literally, t- I literally pray sometimes. I go, would you, would you make me to want you more than I do? I just want to, in fact, I just even want to want you in this. Because I don't even, I don't even have the desire to want to turn that way. That way. Beloved, he gives a white stone. He sustains with the hidden manna. He gives a white stone. That means our holiness. That means that he'll give us longings and desires for things that are not filled with sin and would crush us. And then he gives us a new name. I love that. He gives us a new name that he, only he knows. What he's speaking about here is intimacy. It's like, uh, I, I never realized how much, like, uh, the name, like, um, I, I call my youngest son, Buddy. I go, hey, Buddy, come over here. Let's go, Buddy. I, I, I call him all the time. It's like, it's like, Buddy, what are you doing? Buddy, you know, I just go, Buddy, 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 my youngest son. And uh, one day we were in the park, and I said, hey, Buddy, don't, you know. And I was just, I was being a little stronger because he was, like, doing something that was going to threaten my son. I said, hey, Buddy. Um, and my son looked at me with this hurt look on his face. He goes, I'm Buddy. And I was just like, oh, right, dude, <laughs> man, bruh. And it's just like, no, but there was a, no, my, my son was reminding me that there was an intimacy about that nickname that I gave him. It was, it was unique to us. Isn't that something? Could you imagine what God's name could you be? It's like, Warrior. That's the name that he might give you. A name that, you know, persevere, daughter, son. There's a name that he'll give you that he knows. And it's the name that you've longed for your whole life. It's the name that you look for when you go to any one of your idols. You know, you know, when you throw yourself at that guy who's not even Mr. Right, but he's like Mr. Right now and just so that anybody could love you because you want anybody to tell you you're beautiful because you've been so marred and scarred. And then he gives you your new name. Beautiful. You know, guys, like the reason why you keep on going back to this sin over and over and over again. And he goes, he goes, no, no, I'll give you a new name. Enough. You don't have to prove like you're enough. He'll give you the name. He gives you a new name. Beloved. For those who hold on to the one who's holding on to them, God will give hidden hidden manna. That means he'll sustain you. Don't ever say, I can't do it. I can't, I don't have the strength. We're not looking to your strength. Good news. Glad that you finally admit what God already knows. You never had the strength to begin with, but he does. He gives hidden manna. He sustains. He gives a white stone, a holiness, new desires, 
And then he gives a new name, intimacy. My prayer is that you would experience that. So here's what we said so far in our strategy. We said, we're going to avoid. We're going to avoid the sin as much as we can. And then we're going to say no. We're going to say no in the first five seconds, as soon as the temptation comes. But we know that avoiding and just saying no is not enough. That's why everybody mocked Nancy Reagan after the 80s, right? Because she's like, just say no. Is there something to say yes to? Yes, there is something to say yes to. And we're going to turn to Jesus. And then as we turn to Jesus and find in Jesus our satisfaction, we're going to hold on to the one who's holding, hold on to the one who's holding us. We're going to hold on because he's holding on to us. My prayer is that you would, in fact, enjoy that. Now, listen to me. Listen. If that happens, could you imagine? What would your life be like? What would your life be like if the amount of uh, regret and shame that you held was diminished because you weren't continually going back to those same old things? What would your life be like if Jesus, because he was trying to reveal something in you through the temptation, revealed what you had been waiting for the whole time? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I hear it all the time. People have a bad relationship they keep on going back to. They do it for years. It's only when they finally break off that relationship that they find the person that they've been loving, looking for their whole lives. Why? Because you got to let go before you found something more beautiful. Oh, beloved. We want to turn to Christ. We want to hold on to Jesus because we'll find that he is more beautiful. My prayer is that you would let him hold on to you and as a response, you would too hold on to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are a good and gracious God, one whom we don't deserve. Lord, the truth be told, this is the place where I fall the most. I can sense you holding on to me, but at the same time, I can sense my heart wanting to let go of you. Thinking that I've held on for too long because five minutes is too long, or sometimes five years is too long. Lord, would you remind us that you have an eternity of joy waiting for us? Would you remind us that even if we suffer with the temptation for 80 years, that you have 8 trillion years to give us joy and satisfaction, that in you we find what our hearts are really longing for. We thank you for the hidden manna. We thank you for the white stone. We thank you for the new name knowing that in them we have all the sustenance we need and all the holiness that we need and the intimacy to enjoy. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.